This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is a Business Radio special presentation from the Wharton Sports Business Summit at the University of Pennsylvania. Here again is Eric Bradlow. Welcome back, everyone. This is the SiriusXM Business Radio special presentation at the Wharton Sports Business Summit. I'm your host, Eric Bradlow, professor of marketing and statistics here at the Wharton School, as well as the host of Wharton Moneyball. You can hear us every Wednesday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m., live here on SiriusXM Business Radio 132. We have two great guests joining us over the next half hour of the program. Um, the first of whom I'm happy to welcome to the show, Bruce Lefkowitz, Executive Vice President at Fox Networks. Uh, Bruce is doing lots of things now. He's responsible for all national revenue for Fox Broadcasting, Fox Sports, FX, FXX, National Geographic Channel, etc. But of course, as Bruce and I were talking off air, that's not the way I know you. Um, I'm a 1988 graduate of the Wharton School. Uh, Bruce is a 1987 graduate of Penn. And I was thanking you for all of the basketball memories. So welcome back. Bruce played the time while I was here as a student. So thank you for being here today. Oh, it's an honor to be a Wharton. I never thought I'd make it to Wharton. So coming back here is great. And, you know, the Penn memories have been terrific. Could you talk about your background and kind of how your role and how you kind of navigated to be involved in Fox and, you know, being in such a senior role? Sure. I mean, I was really lucky in that uh, it all sort of ties back to the basketball decision to come to Penn. I was communications major in Annenberg, and I knew that I wanted to do something in the media business, the television business. I think back then it probably felt, hey, I'm going to go to the NBA, then I'll be an announcer one day. But I fast realized I had a face for radio, and that wasn't going to work. Um, but I was really, really lucky to get summer internships um, from Penn alum, a guy by the name of Joe Cohen, who was the president of Madison Square Garden Network, is sort of my rabbi in the business. And 35 years later, still exceptionally close to him. And I worked for him for two summers at Madison Square Garden Network. And then uh, later on, subsequently to Sports Illustrated, where I not only had a great summer internship, but I met my wife for 30 plus years. So that was sort of a springboard into the media sales business. I didn't really know much about sales. um, And I was lucky enough to get into a training program at Turner Broadcasting. And that sort of launched me, uh, you know, on my career at, at some great companies and great people at Turner and Discovery and now Fox. How have you seen how have you seen media change over time? Like, how is it different from when you were an intern to now 30 years later? You know, it's fascinating uh, to see, you know, the effect of technology that technology has had on the media business and on content and distribution. You know, I feel like the old guy talking about when I started in cable at Turner, it was in 50% of the homes. And you would go to talk to advertisers and the perception would be they're in this 50%, but not in that. And we'd have to educate them. No, there are 10 houses on the street and five have it and five don't. Certainly, this generation has not only grown up with cable being ubiquitous, but now with all the OTT and all the other alternative technologies to consume content, that's created a golden age in content creation. And it's really put a premium on the value of content, be it sports or be it entertainment programming. So you're in charge of both the sports side, but also the entertainment side. How is that different? Is there anything different or content is content, viewers are viewers? How do you view it differently or maybe you don't? Well, I think it's evolved over the years. Um, Obviously, content is key. And, you know, people say, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm an eyeball salesman. You know, the eyeball's connected to your brain. Your brain's connected to your hand. Your hand reaches into your pocket, pulls your wallet out, and you buy stuff. So if we can prove that, and now, again, going back to the effect of technology, there's more and more data, and certainly with your background in marketing and statistics, you know, the data opportunities 
now to validate media decisions have never been larger. You know, again, with the Philadelphia route, you look at uh, John Wanamaker. I know that 50% of my advertising works. I just don't know which half. So that now is a reality, and advertisers are using data to inform their decisions on whether it's entertainment programming or sports or news or whatever um, to really connect with their best prospects. So the other connection I want to make to Philadelphia, obviously Comcast is located. Comcast NBC Universal is here. Um, one of the things when they moved to their Xfinity platform, I know, is that it allowed more two-way communication. So in other words, they have a better sense of now what people are watching, which of course means advertisers can know this, which means they can do targeted advertising. How do you guys at Fox think about that as well? What kind of data do you have that just wasn't available before? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still in the early days of Everyone you is. Know, data capture and using that. But, you know, if you think about it, that the for many years the advertising uh, business used proxies. So trying to reach men 18 to 49. Well, if you're Ford and I just bought a car and I'm 28 years old, me seeing that commercial is sort of a waste. So what these tools now are getting us closer to is being able to filter those audiences and have advertisers pay for the audience they want. You know, there's a lot to be said for the idea of, I'll pay you more if you can deliver my best prospects. And I think that's really, in the next five to seven years, that's where you're going to see the greatest advantage. There's, there's certainly now a lot of fragmentation. There are a lot of people in that data capture business and selling it. At some point, it'll aggregate, and it'll be scalable. Do you ever see a time where um, I go to someone at Google and I say, who's your biggest competitor for targeted advertising? And they say, oh, it's Fox, because Fox has a massive viewership. They can do targeted advertising. Ours is based on search. Theirs is based on viewing. Viewing is maybe closer to purchasing than search. Do you ever see a day where that happens? Well, you know, the funny thing is uh, there's certainly uh, the, the Fang folks. There's a bit of arrogance. I don't think they ever look at us as a competitor. And, and you know, hats off to them uh, for how that business is, has grown. And they've grown it by being able particularly with search, uh, to target in and have people pay for the audience with less waste. And again, there is a scale at Google or, or YouTube. Um, now, what's the quality of scale and what's the environment? Um, you know, those are questions too. And where are my ads running? I think there's always going to be a, um, an important place in the media landscape for premium content and the association with premium content, be it sports or, or high-quality entertainment. Could you talk about how you use, whether it's your pen knowledge and background, like how do you guys, I know you said it's the eyeball test, but how do you come up with new programs? Is there a science behind new programming? I like to think there is. I'd like to wake up every morning as a marketing professor, think there's a science behind creating good ads, a science behind creating good shows. How do you guys think about that at Fox? You know, it's interesting, uh, having watched the evolution of the programming side, particularly at Fox, I was, for most of my career, on the cable side, FX. And it all starts with an idea of serving an audience uh, that, that is being underserved. And FX's idea was we wanted to be HBO for basic cable. So we want to give you the highest quality television that you don't have to pay extra for. And that was sort of a guiding philosophy in programming. And then the lens that each show is evaluated on, everyone is different based on the demographics and things like that. So sophistication it certainly we've gotten more sophisticated in you know getting more insights from consumers about what they want and testing shows and all but a lot of it i have to tell you is a gut you know it's someone's creative gut you know who thought that 
a, a reality show about singing stars, you know, was ever going to become American Idol or a show like Empire, or, you know. So some of it is gut and ha people having to have the conviction behind that. I'm Eric Bradlow, professor of both marketing and statistics here at Wharton School, as well as the host of Wharton Moneyball that we host on every Wednesday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. live here on Sirius XM 132. This is a business radio special presentation from the Wharton Sport Business Summit, and we're currently talking with Bruce Lefkowitz, executive vice president of Fox Networks. So, Bruce, let me ask you, um, how is sports different in the sense that um, the one thing, maybe you're different than me in this way, I can't watch tape sports. Yep. I can watch it, but I have to know the outcome first. It's just the one thing. I just can't do it. I know for a fact someone else knows the outcome, and therefore I can't watch it. So do you guys think about live sports different than the other type of content that you create and display? Sure. I think, I think your timing, when you see what's going on in the industry right now, particularly with the Disney-Fox um, uh, transaction that's going on, really speaks to two different strategies, both of which I think are going to be enormously successful. You know, Fox, in divesting itself of a lot of its entertainment programming and platforming, is making a large bet on live programming, whether it's sports, which will be about 70% of the portfolio, or some of the reality programming and stuff, and Fox News, which will stay in the portfolio. Again, you're not DVRing the news. You know, you're not DVRing Hannity or whoever the Fox News people are. On the flip side really entertainment programming has been a, become an on-demand initiative. You don't have to watch Empire at 9 o'clock on Tuesday if you're out at your kid's ball game or if you're, you know, uh, at a concert or something. And I think that that's part of the bet that Disney's making with their upcoming OTT products and all is the fact that if you have quality content, real premium content, people will pay for it. It opens up that direct-to-consumer relationship. So I think that those two elements, sports and entertainment programming, you know, really are important um, to different segments of the audience. I've always wanted to ask someone in your position this. Do you care on what platform somebody watches? Do you care whether I'm watching on my phone, whether I'm sitting at my laptop, desktop, whether I'm watching on a, my 75-inch TV at home? It doesn't matter to Fox? Any, any view is the same? To some degree, as long as it's measurable. And some of the problems, the inherent problems that the business is still catching up with technologically is I don't have the same ability to measure your viewing on all of those platforms that you talked about. You know, VOD, we can now capture information, but I can't get demographic information. So when I'm selling an 18 to 40 demographic, it's harder to do that. Um, so as technology catches up, ultimately we're platform agnostic because again, it's how many eyeballs can I sell to those advertisers and the right and the right eyeballs? And then you know, secondarily, it's you have to be able to measure them. Do you think there'll be a? Do you think though advertisers note that, for example, maybe someone watching on their phone is just not as valuable an impression? If we think of gross rating points, there's just not as much value of an impression on a phone as there is on a big TV. Do you think that level of sophistication is coming? Or right now, views are views. If they can be measured and they can know it's towards a given target segment of views of view, that's all. I mean, we definitely look at all of those things because, again, we're trying to prove the value of that. So, you know, I might be able to find that on a mobile platform, people are spending more time. They're more engaged. They're watching the ad to completion. VOD, again, I bring that up. That's a great example because VOD is now fast forward, is fast forward disabled. So as an advertiser, if I want to watch Empire or the Mayans on FX, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, the price for that convenience is watching the commercial to completion.
So there are, there are different areas, and we look at all of it. So we're sitting here at a student event, obviously lots of great young students. I'm sure many look at you and um, say, I'd love to have your career path and job. What do you recommend that students should study? What are the things that will help them? And a related question to that is, who sits next to you at your table? Do you have a bunch of data scientists around you? Do you have a bunch of marketing people around you? Kind of who helps advise you on kind of the decisions you make? Two, two things on that. I'll, I'll get to the second one. The first, I think, with, with kids today um, is really all about creativity and differentiating yourselves um, from the other candidates that are out there. I mean, again, you know, particularly in the marketing side of the world as opposed to the Wharton, the business, the finance, the investment banking, the lawyers, it really is a different business. And you have to, you can't be afraid of taking chances of, you know, if you don't swing the bat, you can't get a hit. And, you know, I, I use examples that, you know, things that they wouldn't tell you at Wharton Career Planning and Placement, they would never tell you to put your resume on a light blue piece of paper. I'm making that up. You know, it's got to be single space, dear Mr. Lefkowitz. However, I'm getting a thousand dear Mr. Lefkowitz as I'm writing to inquire about on one. So how do you stand out? How do you get someone to read to the bottom of the page? So the thing that I talk about most with it, and again, it's, it's easier in a marketing sales environment, um, is differentiate yourself. Be creative. So if we're sitting here five years from now, what's changed in your job? Like what, what's the big new advances that are happening over the next five years? Data technology and the direct-to-consumer relationships and how we maintain uh, the commerce, the advertiser-commerce relationship in a changing landscape. You know, if more and more people, you know, look at the success of Netflix. Many will tell you that it's a better viewing environment because there are no commercials. So... If that's what people are willing to pay for, how do advertisers reach the masses if people are avoiding commercials? So I think that's the biggest challenge that, that we're facing as a business of how you can still impact and deliver audiences. Well, Bruce, of course, I want to thank you for joining us here in our Wharton Sports Business Summit special. But I, I have to say it on the air since this may be my only opportunity. Thank you for all the basketball memories. Um, it was really great being a Penn student watching you play at the Palestra, and I'm glad you were able to take those opportunities and build a great career now at FX. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. Pleasure. Thank you very much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.